We all get bogged down with the mundane tasks of life, especially this time of year. But isn't it time you take a break from your normal, boring routine? Don't just sit on the sidelines and watch life go by. Get in the game with the bold tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast. You can be having a blast anywhere. Having a blast at work, having a blast in traffic, having a blast while you file your taxes. No, really, we mean it when we say anywhere. With Baja Blast now in stores everywhere, you can be having a blast whenever and wherever you are all year long. So what are you waiting for? Pick up an ice cold Baja Blast today at a store near you. And for a limited time with every purchase of Baja Blast in stores and at participating Taco Bell locations, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. This swag is available for a limited time only, so don't wait. Grab a Baja Blast and start having a blast right away. No purchase necessary, open to U.S. residents 18 or older, subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com. Ends June 15, 2024, void where prohibited. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. I know it's in the beginning of today, it really didn't feel like Sunday. Both Julie and I completely forgot. But now that we're back, I'm sitting on the floor of the closet. I feel like it's a Sunday night recording. I'm ready to go. I feel it in my bones. You? Yeah, su- Sunday night recordings hit differently. I, I did think it was Saturday up until very late in the day. But now that I know it's Sunday and I have that knowledge, I'm I'm fully in it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we're talking Britney Spears, Megan Thee Stallion, Lori Laughlin, Angelina and Brad, Paris Hilton, David Dobrik. We have a whole Bravo debrief, a whole Kardashian recap. As always, we're going to put the timestamp for Bravo and Kardashian in the description. Totally get it's not everybody's thing. You can fast forward if it's not. But I just like to put the disclaimer out that if you're listening to this a week later, two weeks later, it's very possible that the ads could be different so the timestamps are off. But <laughs> people get very aggressive. So I just want to say at one point, the timestamps are correct. But if you're listening a little bit later, they may be a little bit off and I apologize for that. People <laughs> <laughs> are so aggressive. They really anyway, are. I know. Julie, I got to tell you something. I cannot wait to talk about Angelina and Brad. We haven't spoken one thing about it. I mean, I know. I'm I know. so excited. It's not even, it's not even like the story itself is that interesting. I just could talk about them till I'm blue in the face. No, I know. And same with Paris Hilton. That documentary, we'll obviously talk about this whole thing in the section, but I just have to say, I really didn't even realize how curious I was about her life. I've had this lingering curiosity, but now that I'm seeing some previews, I cannot wait for that to come out. Same, same. Yeah, we're going to have to do a whole section on that. Anyway, so as you guys know, every week we highlight a Black-owned business, and this week it's called Dope Coffee. So this is a really cool company, and the way that I found it, which is honestly the way that I find a lot of these businesses, and I always say this, I like to have different kind of unique gifts on hand, just in case I'm going to someone's house for the weekend. I think the worst feeling is you're leaving on a Friday and Thursday night, you're scrambling. So I like to have a lot of stuff just kind of on deck. And that's how I found this business. So they sell bagged coffee in whole beans and ground, and they have very cool flavors like cocoa citrus blossom, jasmine cocoa currant, etc. And it was started by this guy, Michael Lloyd. He's founder and CEO, and he is a former Marine officer and a veteran of the war in Afghanistan. And the reason he started this company was because he felt that current coffee brands don't really speak enough to diversity. And his vision was to change the culture around specialty coffee and make it kind of more inclusive of all humankind. So a direct quote from him is, quote, we came here to show the world that premium coffee and black culture go hand in hand. In addition to the whole beans, because I know some people just like ready to drink, they do have bottled ready to drink coffee and they also have face and body scrub from their coffee beans. 
this is a weird thing to say because I'm talking about coffee, but it was the first thing Julie said when I sent her this. Like the, it just looks cool. Like the packaging looks cool. And I love that. I think when you're bringing someone a gift, it's, it's always cool when, even if the content is great, I just also appreciate when the design element is unique. And that's definitely the case here. Remember you loved it. Yes, definitely. The website is realdope.coffee and the Instagram is at realdopecoffee. We will put it in the description, but I just wanted to tell you guys that company. I was really excited we found it. Anything else you'd like to add before we start, Julie? No, I'm just so excited to get into it. I know. I love you guys. Thank you for letting us do this. I know I say it every episode, but really, I just, it's when these stories happen throughout the week, I just get so excited that we have this place where we can talk about it with people that care as much as we do. And it really makes me feel good. So thank you for thank listening. You. We're so lucky to do this. We really are. We're so fucking lucky to do this to every single one of you. Oh my God. Beyond. Beyond. Okay. You ready? So ready. Okay. So we are starting with Britney Spears and her whole conservatorship, all the updates from last week. We got a lot of inboxes of people being really confused. So first, let me just break down what happened. We're recording this on Sunday night, August 23rd. So if anything happened after this, we're not going to have it in. But let me just bring you guys up to speed and then we'll get into a little bit of a discussion. So... Britney's conservatorship was extended until 2021. And basically there was a sealed hearing on Thursday, August 19th, where LA judge Brenda Penny ruled to extend her conservatorship till February 1st, 2021. Obviously this hearing was virtual because of Corona and it was attended by Samuel Ingram, who's her court appointed attorney, her father, Jamie Spears, her mother, Lynn Spears, and their respective attorneys. Also, Jody Montgomery, who remember is her temporary conservator when her dad stepped down for being sick, was also there. So keep in mind, this hearing happened two days after her lawyer, Samuel Ingram, filed a court paper on Britney's behalf, declaring that she did not want her father to serve as her conservator. And in this motion to the court, which was filed on August 17th, the lawyer said that her needs and wishes have changed since the conservatorship was placed over her in 2008. So let me just explain to you. Basically, what the lawyer said is that, quote, the conservators rescued her from a collapse, exploitation by predatory individuals, and financial ruin, which was really the first phase of her conservatorship. And that was like a way to save her kind of. And he's saying that since then, her life and her needs have changed and that he believes that the changes being requested now by Bernier are in her best interest. So he broke up the current conservatorship kind of into two different phases And he says that the second phase, which was like the performing phase of her conservatorship, really ended after her last live tour performance on October 21st, 2018. And he was saying that during the time that she was performing, she needed the assistance of a personal manager, a business manager, a lot of other people. But now, you know, she's in a new phase, which we can think of this kind of effectively as the third phase. She has different needs, different wishes, and she has no desire to perform, which we'll get into in a second. But as you guys know, that's something that has been commonly speculated on is how much of this is she wants to perform versus she's being forced because of the financial benefit. Correct so far, Julie? Yes, correct. Yeah. So the lawyer says in the motion, quote, we are now at a point where the conservatorship must be changed substantially in order to reflect the major changes in her current lifestyle and her stated wishes. And again, you know, Brittany has asked, she really, really would strongly prefer to have Jody stay on as the conservator instead of Jamie, her father. Jody's te- position was supposed to be temporary, but she's really requested that that stays on. Right now, things remain to be kind of status quo, but that's the most recent update. One other thing, though, is that the ACLU in a, 
I don't want to say a shocking move, but kind of shocking just because I don't think anybody's expecting the ACLU to speak on this. They tweeted last week. Yeah, they tweeted last week and said, people with disabilities have a right to lead self-directed lives and retain their civil rights. If Britney Spears wants to regain her civil liberties and get out of her conservatorship, we are here to help her. So that is the most recent update. What are your first thoughts? Um, I obviously have a million. (laughs) Um, The first thing actually that really stands out to me in this whole thing, and I'm not even sure if what I'm about to say is like 100% correct from a legal standpoint, but the fact that she has a court-appointed lawyer, I find to be really interesting rather than a lawyer that they hired themselves, which obviously makes me question the money that she's allotted to for her own defense. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That, you know, it's so interesting because that's what stuck out to me too. And I, I saw a lot of people on Twitter asking the same question. I can't pretend to know the answer to that, but I was wondering the same thing. It, I don't know if it was just the way that it was phrased, but that all, that did strike me as interesting. Yeah, because we've spoken about things you know, legally before that, like strike us, that's a little weird. And then we've had people inbox us being like, no, I'm a lawyer in California. This is really standard. Or like, this is this procedure. So this has to happen. So like that could totally be one of those circumstances. It just like really stood out to me. The other thing that I find to be really interesting is it doesn't seem, at least from what she's saying and what her lawyer is saying, like there's this immediacy to get rid of the conservatorship altogether. It seems like the focus on it is really her father versus Jody Montgomery handling it and her pr- preference there. It doesn't really come across, at least not in this hearing thus far, about what she's trying to accomplish as if it's like, I need to be out of this right now. I don't want anymore. My civil liberties are you know, completely obstructed. And I'm not saying that's not the case. I'm just saying from the way it's being presented in a court of law, about the situation. It's very much about who should be the conservator rather than it shouldn't be there at all. Right. Not only who should be it, but also like we were talking about, I really do think it's fair to say that he was effectively splitting this up into three, you know, three different phases. So like the beginning was, listen, she needed a conservatorship because she was around a lot of really toxic people. She wasn't in a good state. There was exploitation. We needed this. Okay. That's one thing. The second was when she was really performing a lot. There were a lot of things that needed to be provided. Like they said, the business manager, the tour manager, et cetera. And now she's in a third phase. So we're not necessarily asking for it to be removed, but there needs to be changes that now meet this current lifestyle. And, you know, I, as, as of the time we're recording this, there hasn't been a decision made on whether or not Jody Montgomery can stay and Jamie will be off permanently. But I'm very curious what I would have done, for lack of a better phrase, sick shit to be in that virtual hearing and, and to witness the way that Jamie was reacting to that. I wouldn't be surprised if she wants nothing to do with him. I, I wouldn't be either, except for the fact that like, I think a lot of things we hear about her father and a lot of the things that we know about him come from other people who aren't her. And it's not mm-hmm. like he's, he, like, obviously, because there's a lot of things she can't say, but even earlier in her career, like, he was he was very involved in her career and not necessarily always in a bad way. No, we, we don't know enough, really. I mean, we realistically, the it has been so many years since we've directly heard from Brittany herself. Anything that we have heard recently has been in legal documents. So I don't know. I really don't think any of us can even speak on that with full conviction. I don't know if any of us can speak on any of this with full conviction. It is, I think it's a really, really complicated situation. We talk about this a lot. Like the thing with this is that 
I mean, I say this always, is that everyone loves a conspiracy theory. So when somebody's coming out with all of these pieces of the puzzle and all of these videos and trying to piece them together and say like, oh, he didn't let her speak here and she wanted to say something here and this was edited out. Like when you put that all together, it seems like the perfect storm of filling into what you want it to be. But we don't know enough. Like we're not privy to this information. We're not privy to the behind the scenes. And I know we have this conversation all the time, but like, it's true. And every time we get this report about what's Brittany going through, like we don't know enough to know that what we think is happening is happening. We can want her to be off the conservatorship and we can assume that she wants to be off it too, without also assuming that everything that we're hearing about in all of these conspiracies, conspiracy theories is true. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean the same thing. Yeah, no, no, I know, I know. And you're right. We don't know. And I can't pretend that I do, but every single thing inside me just says, this guy is not it. I just have that gut feeling, but it, it's no, not based I on totally it. Agree with you. Yeah, no, but that's, that's again, us coming from, you're right. You're right. Technically we do not know. And it's a lot easier to get behind a theory with a lot of momentum. And I totally agree. I just have a rough feeling. I think also, to be honest, remember months ago when her mom was liking all of those comments that were speaking negatively about her dad? Right. But also that divorced one, parents. So. Right. Divorced parents. You never know. But I just, I don't know. It's, it's the, the, I think that all of us are so, whether or not you're a Britney Spears fan, you can acknowledge the role that she had. I mean, obviously you can recognize the fact that she is absolutely a legendary icon, but I think the la- like, the lack of information is so frustrating and the lack of transparency is so frustrating, even though she's fully entitled to her privacy and nobody's trying to get information that isn't available to us. But we're getting a little bit of these legal documents, yet no actual substance as to how she feels about it. So we really just are left to speculate and you can go kind of crazy doing that. So I don't know. Yeah. Like I just, <laughs> I'm curious what other people think. If you have thoughts on this, absolutely feel free to DM us. But I, a lot of people were confused about what actually happened in the hearing. So we just wanted to explain that to you and We'll see. We will, of course, update you as the most that we know, but not a good situation. Yeah. No, and very, very complicated. Also, I just want to say, this is, I don't know if I said this on last week's episode or if I said it on Patreon. There's no, I don't have any sort of substance behind this in terms of like, I don't know anything for a fact, but a lot of people were inboxing us about her boyfriend because there's been, I may have said this last week, there've been some theories circulating on TikTok about how he's more of a handler and he's this and that. I really decided I was looking at so many videos. I don't like the guy. I, it gets such a bad vibe. There, to me, there's something so off about that entire thing. And I just, I do not like it. For I don't know if I understood it in the beginning. I don't think I gave it enough thought. But now that I've been looking at things more, I don't know. I get such a weird feeling from him. I don't know if that's just me. No, it's, it's not just you. I think everyone does. But I don't know. I don't really get the relationship either. But I will say in terms of looking at things on Twitter and TikTok, is that people do a really, really good job of when they think something's off, putting presenting you information in a way that will make you think that too. So I don't know if I just get weird vibes from him in general or if you know the information that's being put out there is being curated in such a way that feeds into that idea. Because when you already think something's off and somebody's giving you information that true or not feeds into that feeling that you have, it becomes so compelling. And then you kind of have to check yourself back into reality and be like, I don't even know what I'm looking at here. I'm just paying, like, I'm just agreeing with what somebody on the internet is telling me because I already have this agenda in my head. 
No, you're you're absolutely right. But the flip side of that is that if you had such a good feeling about this man intuitively, I don't think it would so much matter what some random people on TikTok were saying, but I think I already felt a little bit uneasy, but I didn't do the research myself. And then I started to read this stuff. And I'm not saying it's true. Please don't misunderstand that that's what I'm saying. Anybody listening. I'm just asking you if you're honestly asking me, because we get a lot of inboxes, like asking my honest thoughts or our honest thoughts. Mine are just, eh, I'm not into it. Who knows? Hopefully I'm wrong. Just my gut. The way I think about Brittany is like, there's something off. There's something a little off with everything. Yeah. Well, you see, you guys see what's going on in her comment section. There's this whole, there's this whole trend now to the point where Vanessa Hutchins, like quite literally is involved. There's been celebrities now that are commenting in her comment section being like, wear yellow in the next video if you need help. I think Vanessa Hutchins commented that. And we didn't want to post it because I feel like if you don't know it, it comes across like it's making light of the situation. So we didn't post it, but it is really interesting to see how like people in the public eye are also partaking in this. It's not just like a fan thing. You don't just have to be a fan of pop culture to be interested in this or to feel invested in this or to feel a sense of uh, like almost a territorial sense over Britney's safety because I've noticed that a lot of celebrities are feeding into this, whether that's liking things on Twitter, whether that's commenting on her pictures, but people are starting to become less shy about their emotional involvement, I feel. I think when it's a conversation about someone's human rights, you forget that it's even pop culture for a second. It's obviously Mm -hmm. pop culture because that's how you know her in the first place. And that's how she became important to you. But you could be one of those people that are like, I hate everything to do with Hollywood. I hate pop culture. I want nothing to do with it. And still care about Britney Spears because it's about a human life. Yeah. And you recognize her contribution to the industry and et cetera. Totally. So we will continue to update you guys as we know more. I don't know about you guys, but I am one of those people where every year on Daylight Savings, having that extra hour of light in the evening just like completely transforms my mood. I feel like I am not me when it gets dark at 4 p.m. And obviously the flip side of that is that first morning after springing forward can be rough. So I want to tell you about something that can make it so much easier, so much more enjoyable. It's called Hatch. And Hatch can help you choose sleep, prioritize healthy habits, and then also make the time change transition seamless and enjoyable. So the Hatch Restore helps you build sleep habits that make your unwind and wake routines simple and enjoyable. So a phone-free bedtime, no matter what time of year it is, which again, is really a habit I'm trying to change this year, and this has very much helped it. And then with the Hatch Plus subscription, you can access the latest routine building features like Cue to Unwind, which signals you that it's time for bed, and Pillow Talk, which is kind of like your favorite shows or socials without the screen to keep you up. For me, that's like such a wonderful feature because it helps me unwind, but not in a way that feels unnatural. It's kind of like the benefit I get from scrolling my phone without scrolling my phone. And then waking up in the morning is just so much more peaceful. Like I don't think it's good to wake up to that jarring alarm sound. So to have kind of an easy wake up, I've just really enjoyed my morning so much more. Right now, Hatch is offering our listeners $20 off your purchase of the Hatch Restore and free shipping at hatch.co slash CBC. Visit hatch.co slash CBC to get $20 off and free shipping. Hatch.co slash CBC. So next thing we wanted to talk about is Megan the Stallion. This is really, really important, and I really wanted to make sure that we spoke about it. So Megan confirmed for the first time during her Instagram Live last week that Tori Lanez was the one who shot her. As you all know, the incident took place after that party in the Hollywood Hills on July 12th. And everybody knew really that he was the one, but she hadn't explicitly said it. And so she said, quote, yes, Tori shot me. You shot me and you got your publicists and your people going to these blogs lying. Stop lying. Why lie? I don't understand. 
And she said that when the police first responded to the report of a shooting and you know, they found her and him outside of the SUV. She didn't tell the officers that she had been shot because she was afraid of the legal repercussions and also afraid for her safety. She said, you know, she was like, I was afraid of being shot by the police if they heard that there was a gun in the vehicle. She was like, and also, you know, I know what it's like for black men. And I was afraid of the trouble that he would get into and if she had to explain how she was injured, et cetera. And so she initially told the officials that she thought it was a glass cut, not realizing the nature of the wound. And she was barefoot at the time. I'm sure you guys saw those pictures. If not, definitely look them up. We'll put them in the visual guide for anyone on Patreon. It was after she left the house. It was the party that Kylie was at and they were outside of the SUV. So he was arrested on suspicion of possession of a concealed weapon after the car he was in was stopped by the LAPD. And if you look at video from the scene, it shows her, it shows him and her and she is limping barefoot. He was released on bail. Um, and LA County prosecutors on July 24th received a felony assault with a firearm investigation from the LAPD, but sent it back for further investigation. Also, she posted on Instagram on Wednesday showing her gunshot wound being stitched. She later deleted the post, but I want to read the caption in case anyone didn't see it. It said, it was literally a picture of her foot with, um, the doctor's putting the stitches in. And she said, LOL, what I've learned about in the majority of people on social media is y'all like to hear bad news before good news. A lie spreads quicker than the truth and y'all really be believing the shit y'all make up. I got hit at the back of my foot because when I got shot, I was walking away facing the back. Why would I lie about getting shot? Why are y'all so upset that I don't want to be in the bed sad? Why are y'all so upset that I can walk? I got my stitches out my feet like two weeks ago and I was ready to go celebrate WAP going number one. I usually don't address internet bullshit, but y'all people are so sick. God was really watching over me and I'm healing so well. Sorry, I'm not as sad as miserable as a lot of y'all, but I'm going to keep being Megan the motherfucking stallion. So we will get into this, but first there was this opinion piece in the Washington Post by this black woman, Karen Atia, and it was entitled, Where's the Sympathy and Outrage for Megan the Stallion? I'm not going to read the whole thing, but we put in a decent amount of excerpts from it. And I really want to read this because I think it's very powerful coming from a black woman. And the feedback that we get all the time is that people don't necessarily read a lot of the articles. And I want to make sure that we, if this is the way that you get this information, then I really would feel good for being able to get this across because I thought it was very powerful. Okay. It read, August should have been a blockbuster month for the rapper Megan Thee Stallion. Her latest collaboration with Cardi B, WAP, wrapped up 93 million streams in the United States in the week after its release on August 7th. The most ever recorded for an opening seven-day period, according to Nelson Music. More than enough for the song to enter Billboard's Hot 100 at number one. With that, she became the first woman to lead the rap songwriters chart, thanks to songwriting credits on three of the latest hot rap song rankings. She also announced a major endorsing deal as Revlon's newest global brand ambassador. In fact, this whole spring and summer should have belonged to Megan Pete, aka Megan the Stallion. Her song Savage became the first number one billboard hit in May and was the inspiration for the viral hashtag Savage Challenge dance craze that took over Instagram and TikTok. She even teamed up with fellow Houstonian Beyonce for an equally banging Savage remix. This week, Black women in America are supposed to be celebrating a period of historic achievements. We just saw Michelle Obama deliver a moving speech at the Democratic National Convention, urging people to vote, and days later, we saw Kamala D. Harris become the first Black woman to accept the nomination for vice president from a major political party. Quote, Black women will save us all, read a familiar refrain across social media. But on Thursday night, Megan Thee Stallion offered a stark reminder that as Black women, we are often expected to save and protect everyone but ourselves. 
On Thursday, Megan Thee Stallion finally identified Lanes as the person who shot her. She said she needed to go public because people were calling her a liar about her own assaults. Soon she was attacked as a snitch. Relatively few celebrities and musicians came to her defense at first. The episode has exposed how many black women are caught between the rock of racism and the hard place of patriarchal sexism. Violence against us is ignored, dismissed, and in the case of Megan Thee Stallion, even ridiculed. America would have been up in arms if Billie Eilish, Selena Gomez, or Ariana Grande had been shot by a black man. There was even a flood of outrage when Taylor Swift was interrupted by Kanye West during an awards acceptance speech. But where's the outrage over the assault against Megan Thee Stallion, one of the biggest stars of the moment? Part of the heavy burden black women must carry is the pressure to protect black men from the viciousness of the police and a racist justice system. Megan was no exception. Quote, he shot me and I still tried to protect him, she said, quote, because the police be killing us. And still, when black women make music, everyone listens. When we dance, the world wants to move like us. When black women create new phrases and expand the boundaries of our language, everyone mimics us. When we break political ground, the world calls us, quote, saviors, excited to see us clean up white American political messes. But Megan Stein's plight is a reminder that when black women scream for help and cry in pain and even show our gory wounds to the public, the same people who love to dance to our rhythms rarely, if ever, come to our rescue. First of wow. all, how yeah. powerful and yeah, this was just an excellent article. I, I yeah. really, I really highly recommend everyone reading the full thing. I mean, you know, I don't, neither of us know what it's like to be a black woman in America, but the response, the, the lack of outrage that over this and, and the way that the public was so quick to attack her attack her for number one not speaking out at first and then when speaking out calling her a snitch was so horrifying to witness I have to say yeah it it was like very confusing and I think that's why that article is so great and that opinion piece is so great is because it really helps you find the words for what was hard to you know find them for yourself because it is a confusing situation because you look at somebody who is just everywhere right now I mean she is on top of the world, on top of the charts, on top of everything. And something horrific happens to her and we act like like it was nothing. And the piece in the article where they're talking about if white singers had been shot by a black man, there would have been this incredible amount of outrage. And we've seen so many other events in Hollywood and of people get this backlash and these outcries And they don't even come close to comparing to this in reality. I mean, this is someone's safety. This is someone's livelihood. And the world was relatively silent. I was shocked by the lack of response from people, from other like celebrities coming out to support her. And the lack of people saying anything against Tori was also so shocking to me. I mean, he shot her. Yeah, the the fact that this woman, there were so many pieces here. And the fact you could see when she was, I really highly recommend if you didn't watch her live, you can find it on YouTube just to go watch it because you can see in her, in her face and you can hear in her voice, the pain of having to come out and be like, yes, he shot me. Is it good enough for you now? Is it, is it legitimate now? And here she is having to post a picture of her stitches just to gain kind of like what legitimacy just for people to understand that she was really telling the truth. And then I think on top of it, what was so what was so you know upsetting is here she is saying yes he shot me but i know 
I don't, is it worse what the police would have done to him? I don't really know what to say other than this is so important and this needs to be treated with such a level of care and such a level of seriousness that it really was not. Yeah. And I think this is a really important reminder in general that when people are talking about the way black women specifically are treated in America, like remember this situation and how it was handled the next time you're going to be quick to deny somebody saying that or deny the factuality of that, because, you know, this situation is the exact reminder of what that means. I mean, and what that entails and, there are so many other examples that we can look at of this exact thing. I mean, we can look at Chris Brown still having a career as one of those things, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a lot. I was, it's, I was watching a show actually today with my dad, the one that I texted your dad that I wanted him to watch him. Mm -hmm. And there was a scene where there's this black woman and she's talking to her daughter and the daughter says to her, mommy, are you a superhero? And she looks at her and she says, I'm a black woman in America. Superheroes have nothing on me. And my dad was sitting next to me. He's like, oh my God, I love that. And I was like, yeah, that was a great line. Yeah, that's a great line. No, it's really true. And you know, it's interesting, Julie, because when we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, it was it must have been because the shooting was on July 12th. So it must have been the podcast right after that. And we were reading some of the different tweets and there was an article that we were reading at the time. And in it, it gave that exact same Ariana Grande comparison. And I don't know why for some reason, I think because Megan is having such a moment right now and Ariana last year had such a moment. So she was, and they're similar age groups of Ariana was the, the biggest comparison. And we spoke about that saying how, if this God forbid was Ariana, the response would have been totally different. And even in our inboxes, there were some people coming at us saying, how are you going to compare the two? Ariana's more famous. That's why there wasn't an outrage completely, completely, you know, discount, like delegitimizing in a way. And I remember it took every, I remember so vividly, it took everything in us to not respond and to not engage because clearly those people were just really missing it. But it's so true. It's nobody is saying that using these comparisons isn't a way to say that it shouldn't have been treated that seriously if God forbid it happened to one of those women. Absolutely not. Any sort of violence period, specifically violence against women needs to be treated seriously. It's just that, the casual nature associated with it when it is a black woman is horrifying and not okay. And we all need to do our part to speak up about it. It's all, it's all we can do. Yeah, totally. It's interesting. Yeah. The Ariana Grande comparison also, because I totally agree. Like these situations would have been treated very differently if it was her that got shot. Um, but even just looking at the piece of, and this is where I'm going to compare Ariana and Megan for a second, looking at the piece of, Megan's story where everyone was so quick to blame her and calling her quote a snitch. It's very interesting if you look at Ariana and Mac Miller, just to talk about like patriarchal views in Hollywood for a second, just across the board. If you look at Ariana Grande and Mac Miller, after he died, she got so much blame for not being able to fix him and mm -hmm. his death was on her hands. And I, I think it's a really important example of, you know, both of those things can be true where, you know, if Ariana Grande got shot, God forbid, God forbid, that the reaction to her shooting would have been different to Megan's. And I, because of the fact that Ariana's a white one and that 100% stands. But then if we're going to look at women in Hollywood in general and the reactions to them and the quickness to want to delegitimize every single thing they do when it's, you know, something that has happened to them in order to protect mm -hmm. the men in their lives or in order to, I don't even know. That's a really good example. Also, you can look at, you know, bringing up Rihanna and Chris Brown again. When people talk about that situation, 
you always know who's going to be the one to say, well, Rihanna hit him too. Despite the fact that I'm pretty sure that the only person who ever said that there was two people fighting and that detail does not matter at all, honestly, was Chris Brown in the first place. But the people who, when you're, when you're talking about Chris Brown and you're talking about that situation, there are people that are so quick to defend him by putting her down and blaming her. Absolutely. No, you're, you are absolutely spot on. And it's a good, it's a, just a good reminder, just in general, it is not a woman's job to fix men. It is not a woman's job to protect men. Yet women are met with this very unfortunate expectation. And then the intersectionality of being a black woman adds a whole other layer, layer to it. So yes, you are, that's a really, really, really excellent point. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we, wish her absolutely the best and we will continue to support her. Okay. Next thing we're talking about this whole college admission scandal. We told you guys when this first, the story broke at the very beginning, we will continue to update this as we have it's months later. And the I think close to the final development happened, which is that Lori Laughlin was sentenced to two months in prison and her husband was sentenced to five months. So in addition to that, she will serve two years of supervised release during which she must perform 100 hours community service and pay a fine of 150000 And her husband was sentenced and then she was sentenced literally two hours after. We were actually recording Caitlin Bristow's podcast while this news broke. I think you actually read the people notification on her podcast, right? Yeah. As Caitlin was like... Um what do you think is the craziest news story this year? I'm like, as of one second ago, this notification right here. Yeah. And her husband received five months in prison, a $250,000 fine, two years of supervised release, and 250 hours of community service. They also both must surrender to the U.S. Bureau of Prisons before 2 p.m. on November 19th. Wow. So Crazy. Apparently in her sentencing hearing, she said, quote, I went along with the plan to give my daughters an unfair advantage in the college admissions process. In doing so, I ignored my intuition and allowed myself to be swayed from my moral compass. I thought I was acting out of love for my children, but in reality, it only undermined and diminished my daughter's abilities and accomplishments. While I wish I could go back and do things differently, I can only take responsibility and move forward. I'm truly profoundly and deeply sorry. I'm ready to face the consequences and make amends. I mean, I just... I don't know what to say about this. Like, yeah, there's not a ton to say. I mean, I, I think this is obviously one of those cases where like, you're, you're upset. You got caught. Of course you are. And it doesn't mean that you can't move forward from here, but yeah, this is one of those things where you only, you knew it was wrong the whole time. It was only, once somebody's saying, well, now there's jail time for your wrong thing where you have the ability to say, oh yeah, I never would have done this if I could go back and do it. You only never would have done it because you got caught. Had your daughter graduated from USC and you know come out the other side with amazing college experience knowing that she got in, not on her own accords, you would do it all over again. Yeah, exactly. She's upset that, that she got caught. And I feel like we would be remiss to discuss the story, even though this has been circulating. I just want to say it again and not mention Tanya McDowell, who is a black mother who lied about the school district that she lived in. So her six-year-old could go to a better school, even though she was homeless and she was sentenced to five years in jail versus Lori Laughlin's uh, two months. So it's just, you know, the, the racial injustice in our criminal justice system is... There's no more clear example than this, I have to just tell you. Yeah. And 
connects right back to what we were saying with with Megan Thee Stallion. Like if you're mm-hmm. if you're looking for examples, and I don't mean that as just like looking for examples, trying to find things because you can't find them. Like they're everywhere. I'm just saying that like if you're having conversations with people in your life and you're trying to really explain this to them in tangible ways they can understand, like these are examples that you can present them with because there's no way to deny these things. And I think that really helps when you're having a conversation. No, completely. Can I just say the Candace thing? Cause I thought it was so weird and I'm, I don't know what it, what it was. Can I just mention it, Julie? Yeah, of course. There was, I don't, it got deleted and I don't even know exactly what it was, but there was some news outlet that posted the story and somebody commented something basically that alluded to the fact that like the people whose spot Olivia and her other daughter took for took by, by lying should like be compensated or something. And Candace Cameron responded with like a sad face emoji, which it was so obviously you guys know Candace is Lori's full house co-star. And it was just so bizarre to me because it sounded like she was agreeing with that person, which not that that person was wrong at all, but it was more so like, it wasn't like this was on Candace's post. This was a random, I want to say it was Us Weekly or Entertainment Tonight's post. And Candace was then responding to a random commenter seemingly in agreement, seemingly against Lori, which was so different than the tune that we had heard from all the other Full House cast members. So I remember I sent that to you. I was like, what is going on here? Yeah, it was also like very unclear in general what she was trying to get across. Like I assume that what she was saying was that she was agreeing with the person. Um, but then there was a piece of me when you sent to me, I was like, but is she possibly, you know, putting a frowny face because she's upset that that person thinks that about Lori? Is that a possibility? And you didn't think so. But I, it's really hard to interpret one emoji on a random post on a random reply. It was, it was just weird that she did it in the first place. I guess it doesn't even matter what she meant by it. It was just so weird that she like kind of went out of her way to respond something really like nonspecific. I know, but I, the reason that I didn't feel that I didn't feel like it was in support of Lori was because if she was coming out, if she was disagreeing with that person's comment, I think she would have said something like said something more substantial. I also don't think she was going to, I don't know. The whole thing was just bizarre. I wish I had the exact thing to read to you guys, but basically this person and this random fan was commenting really against Lori and it seemingly Candace was agreeing, which again, I'm not saying that her loyalty should be to Lori. It just previously, it felt like it was. That's all. I don't know. Just a weird thing that I wanted to mention because I can pretty much guarantee no one else saw that comment. It was such a random one that we happened to stumble upon and we obviously didn't post it, but it was just bizarre. Very. When on the hunt for a new apartment, we obviously all have things that are kind of non-negotiables for us. I would say for me, top of that list is probably natural light. Just because I know myself, I know I'm more productive throughout the day. I'm honestly just happier throughout the day when I'm getting a lot of natural light. And it's important to know what you want and then really to be able to get that. You know, this is your space that you're living in. So apartments.com has helped millions of renters find their perfect place with powerful search tools to help find a rental listing that checks all your specific unique boxes. So first of all, they have 3D virtual tours. So when you can't be there in person, you can take a tour of your possible future home, which is huge because it's one thing for someone to send you photos or to tell you about it, but really to be able to do kind of a virtual walkthrough to me is huge. Also, apartments.com has the most pet-friendly rental listings on the internet, and they have amenity filters, so you can make sure your possible future home has all the amenities you need, whether that's in-unit washer-dryer, air conditioning, dishwasher, balcony. For me, in my next place, in-unit washer-dryer is like, hands down, very, very high. 
So visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. Next thing we want to discuss, Angelina and Brad. So by the way, Julie, I just got to tell you, every time we do, and every time there's something regarding Angelina and Brad, I feel like my however year old self reading People Magazine, I feel like I am doing that person such justice. I feel like I want to sit down and tell that kid that was reading People Magazine after they got home from school, like, one day you're going to have a podcast and you're going to be talking about Brad and Angelina's divorce. Get that, you know? Yeah, it's, it's actually really funny that you said that because as I was going through this today and I was doing the outline, I was like looking at other things about the kids and, and when they got married and when they got together. And there were like certain pictures and covers that were popping up or certain stories about them were popping up. And I like could remember exactly like I was, I was picturing myself when I was reading it in the first place. Like I would always go to the grocery store with my mom. And like, I still do this to this day. Like it became our thing that I always go to the grocery store with her. But when I was younger, I would go with her because she never let me buy the magazines because I would go through them so quickly. So I would go with her to the grocery store so that I could read magazines while she was shopping. And I always associate Brad and Angie so much, like out of anybody else, so much them with doing that. And I was also having this memory of like walking into my high school and like hearing a news story about them, I think getting married break. And I like could remember that feeling when I was walking into high school and finding out about the story. It's such a weird phenomenon. It's such a weird feeling. It really, really is. It really, like there are certain stories because a lot of these celebrities that we're talking about didn't exist at the time of, you know, they only exist now. They weren't famous back then. So for Brad and Angelina, who were their height of, you know, the height of their discussion was when we were the most into magazines. And now, now to be discussing this on a podcast is just a very unique experience that I'm sure any of you guys, which is I'm sure most of you that are major pop culture buffs can kind of imagine how, how that feels. So yeah. Okay. You know so what else is funny? actually, before we move on, you know what else is funny? Cause I think you're going to agree with this since Angelina and Brad broke up, like every single story about Brad is about him and Jen getting back together and like how much we want that and how in love with them we are. And we were, we've like been waiting our whole lives for them to get back together. But when you're looking at stories of Brad and Angelina, when they were like together together, I had a moment where I was like, I think I loved them together. Like, I can't remember it fully because I'm so in this like Jen phase but they were such a striking hot couple. And I remember being like, those two have a connection. Well, I think after you watch Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and I'm saying you generally, it was hard to not feel that. Whether or not, even the most diehard, even the people like, seriously, even the people that were always team Jen and Brad, you know, f- forever, I think you could still recognize the striking nature of Brad and Angelina and how for a second it's like, wow, this makes sense. It just, just from a, I don't know, from a power perspective, I don't even know what it was. I try to remember what it's like. I I don't, I never think that it's beneficial to always include Jen in the conversation, yet I myself am guilty of it. Because to me, I'm like, Jennifer Aniston and Angelina Jolie are both powerful, talented, intelligent women and actresses. And like, can we have this conversation without comparing the two? Yet it's so obviously impossible because of the nature of the way that this whole situation went down. But like when I'm look, when I'm, when I think my hardest about Brad and Angelina when they were together and I try to remove that Jen was ever involved, I do remember being like, holy fuck. But then the second Jen creeps in my mind, I can't help it. I don't like that I do this, but I can't help but be like, but Jen and Brad, come on, they're end game. It's really unfortunate. Know. You know? I know. Yeah, I I just I couldn't believe when I was looking at the pictures today how much I was like, oh fuck! I really think that like 
I was such a fan of them together. Like I was such a fan of Brad and Angelina together. I, I thinking back on it, because when you think about the situation in retrospect, I guess, because you think about it as Jen being the one that got, you know, screwed over and you kind of want justice for her. And I don't know in what world her getting back with the person who cheated on her would be justice. But I think that in our minds, we kind of distort that situation a little bit. So we're like, oh my God, Jen and Brad, like it's the original couple who's meant to be. And Juliana was just a distraction. But when you look at Angelina and Brad together and you look back over those photos, regardless of the place they're in now, you kind of have this moment where you're like, I don't think I always thought that. I, I definitely didn't. There were a lot of times where I definitely loved them together. No, I, but that's what I'm saying. You love them together, I think, until you remember the Jen element. I really feel that way. Yeah. And it, it's so unfortunate. I don't want to think like that. It so goes against everything that I genuinely believe. I just, it's so hard for me to separate it. I also think it's not like he was married to any actress. He was literally married to America's sweetheart. And so it's just, I'm, I, I don't even think you can blame yourself if anybody feels has the same issue that... I have, and I think you have, I don't think you can even blame yourself for feeling like that because of course you're going to get protective and defensive over Jennifer Aniston. It's fucking Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. Also, sometimes when you're looking at the situation, something that I find myself doing is where like, I literally remove them as people from the conversation. And I just look at it as like a pop culture entity. And like, it's kind of like when I think about Britney, Lindsay, and Paris, and I think about that one picture of them, like, I don't think about them as individual people necessarily in that photo. I think of that as like a pop culture moment, like a defining moment in pop culture. And I think that's why Jen always comes back into the situation when you're talking about it, even if it has nothing to do with her. It's because when you think about that pop culture moment, it's the entity of the three of them. And it's hard to discuss without that third person being there, because in your mind, when you think about that situation, just as it is, it's always just going to be about the three of them. I know. it's It really is hard. It's, it, I completely, completely agree with you. Even as we're discussing this, and we'll get into the, the actual story we were going to talk about in a second, but did you see how there was all those headlines like, of course the clickbait is Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt reuniting, question mark, and like there's nothing else. Then you click on it, and it's that they were reuniting for a Fast Times at Ridgemont High virtual table read, which was supposed to happen, and there were technical difficulties. But all, like, it's a huge, the amount of people that were, included in that were like t- top, top, top of the list. Like, you know, Matthew McConaughey, Julia Roberts, Morgan Freeman, et cetera. Yet the only headline was like Jen Addison and Brad Pitt reuniting. And then it's the biggest letdown when you click on it and realize what it is. And it, it was for a great cause. It's for this coronavirus relief fund. But it just goes to show that there's this, I don't know, there's this connection that I really do think will be inescapable for the entirety of our lives. I agree. I just, I agree. And I, I'm not complaining. I mean, I'm not either of them, so I don't know how it feels, but I'm not complaining. But holy fuck, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's just that I am, I talk about him so much that it's just happening or maybe there's just more old pictures of him surfacing. But my Instagram feed recently has just been these old throwback pictures of Brad Pitt. And I have to tell you, like, seriously, seriously, a, I don't know what, I mean, current, but 10, 15 years ago, Brad Pitt was my ultimate, will forever be my ultimate. I love Jason Momoa and Michael B. Jordan as much as the next guy. I really, really do. But when it comes down to it, if I had to choose one, uh, Brad Pitt is who I'm taking. You don't forget your roots. You don't forget your roots. And I I met him. That was the coolest experience of my life, being in Italy and finding out my fucking hotel room. The lobby I is his makeup room. What was it, Ocean's 12? Yeah, I must have I told so. I forgot about that. I must have told that story on the podcast. Did I? Yeah, I must yeah. have. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, I'm literally in Italy and I'm just like, oh my God. And he was, could not have been nicer. But anyway, okay. So Angelina and Brad are apparently having ongoing custody issues. So earlier this month, she had filed a request to have the judge taken off of her and Brad's case. And this was three years after he was assigned to oversee their divorce. So she allegedly felt that this judge, quote, failed to make timely mandatory disclosures of ongoing business and professional relationships between himself and Pitt's attorneys. She also said that he didn't inform her and her legal team of other divorce cases he was working on with Brad's lawyers, which made him biased, which is actually really interesting. I didn't realize that that was it until we, I was reading this outline yeah. back. Um, so Brad's team apparently hit back in his own court filing, accusing Angelina of attempting to stall the case ahead of their October child custody trial and claiming that the judge's engagements involving Pitt's counsel were, quote, fully disclosed to Angelina. The court documents claim, quote, Jolie filed her request to disqualify this judge and in the process delay consideration of deposition testimony and other evidence. So in other court documents that were obtained by Entertainment Tonight, her lawyers responded to Brad's legal team's opposition to her request to remove the private judge in their divorce case, calling it, quote, an improper attempt to influence decisions. So her attorney, this woman, Samantha Bladegene, tells Entertainment Tonight in a statement that Angelina is simply asking for a fair trial. Quote, all my client is asking for is a fair trial based on facts with no special favors extended to either side. The only way uh, litigants can trust the process for everyone involved to ensure that there's transparency and impartiality. Another source told Entertainment Tonight, quote, these are all just stall tactics and efforts to change the referee late in the game because they are clearly concerned about the outcome. This doesn't seem to benefit anyone. So it's interesting because these filings come after it appeared that they were in a place where they were ready to co-parent because back in June, you guys remember this because we talked about it. He was pictured by the paparazzi leaving her house in LA on his motorcycle, which was the first time that he had been spotted at her home since their 2016 breakup. Again, doesn't mean it was the first time he was there. It was the first time he was publicly spotted. And at the time, and we, I remember reading this quote, a source had told Entertainment Tonight, quote, Brad and Angelina have come a very long way and they're finally in a place where they both want to work together to raise their kids. They have no plans to reconcile and any communication between them is regarding their children's needs and futures. Julie, I don't know what the fuck to tell you about this one. I just don't know. We should all just take the LSAT for fun after this podcast. It's so much. And like, I, <laughs> I feel so stupid sometimes. I pass the bar right now. I know only 50% of people pass. I, if, if you gave it to me three seconds after finishing recording this podcast, I could pass it. No question. I'm sorry. This legal jargon is just not for me. I, 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 it's so not my thing. I, I speak too emotionally to like, want to speak like this. I could not, I have so much respect for lawyers. I just could never fucking do it. I really wanted to go to law school. I know you did, but Jesus, I don't know. There's a lot of kids involved. There's a, this is clearly very messy. I do believe, I don't think that they have negative intentions, either of them. It just, it's unfortunate that it has to get so messy. I don't think either of them want it this way. I'm sure it's not great for the kids. I don't know how much they're being told, but it's a shitty situation. Like what else is there to say? They both love their kids. They both want custody. And I don't know how this is going to play out. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely not going to pretend to know who should have what custody deal and how it should be arranged. And if the judge is biased or not, I have absolutely no insight to that. I just think that anytime there's a custody situation, it's just, it always breaks my heart because when it gets messy, there's just, 
we, I think we often forget that the people you're fighting for are the kids or the ones that are like the most hurt in this situation. So it, it always is just really upsetting when you have to talk about like harsh custody battles. No, it's a very unfortunate situation. I don't know. I'm, I'm wishing them the best and I'm, I would be lying if I said I wasn't curious. Like I'm very, very curious about all of this. Right. I just can't help it. We also, you know, it's crazy because for such a public, uh, you know, breakup clearly and such a public scandal and then I'm breakup, I mean him and, and Jen and then such a public, uh, getting together with him and Angelina, like what we actually got from them in terms of a deep understanding as to him and Angelina's relationship wasn't that much. Like I re- listen, I, I remember back at the time, Jen spoke a little bit to magazines, Angelina spoke a little bit to magazines, but we didn't get, not that we ever would, but of course, like in my dream, we get some sort of a reality show, which would of course never happen. But like, there was never an intimate understanding of their relationship. I felt at least I remember feeling that way. So it was so uh- much speculation. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I I think it's mixed. I think I definitely remember like feeling the intimacy of the relationship, especially in the beginning. And I remember, um, I think it was with Maddox because Angelina had adopted him prior to even knowing Brad. And then when I remember Angelina saying this in an interview that the reason that she took her relationship with Brad so seriously and she, you know, really felt like there was a life together was when they were first dating Maddox was young and like without being prompted just called Brad dad one day and I remember her saying this and she was like that was the moment that I knew so there was definitely an intimacy there that I remember hearing about I just think that as their relationship went on they got increasingly more private and especially Angelina like I think she you know was always so involved in her charities and her work you know, around the world. And I think that as their relationship went on, that got increasingly more important to her. And I think that her decision to go that route instead of, you know, acting and staying in the public eye was probably part of that privacy. So I think that what we remember about the intimacy and the knowledge of their relationship really comes from the earlier stages of their relationship. And as it went on and near the divorce, we knew less and less and less and less up until when the divorce happened. And it kind of seems like it came out of nowhere because at that point we were hardly getting any information and they had only gotten married two years prior. And even that was very under wraps. That's exactly what it is. That's a better way to put it than what I explained. That's kind of what I meant. It was more so I, okay, this is what I want to say. The tumultuous nature that this custody battle, which of course has been going on for years now or whatever, you know, legal kind of issues they're in the middle of, it almost came not unprompted, like clearly things were off and I, and I understood that, but we never got that side of it in a way. Like you're right. We heard about it in the beginning when she was gushing over the fact that Brad was so paternal towards Maddox, et cetera. But then towards the end, we didn't get that same level of insight. So it's almost like there was a giant break in our understanding, or at least to my knowledge. And it is hard to put myself back in there, but I, that's kind of how I feel. So you're so right because they, you know, they met in 2004 and they were officially married in 2014. So it was right. It was 10, you know, it was 10 years and then two years, then they were divorced 2016. So like there was just a lot of moving parts there. Yeah. And uh, the thing with their marriage and taking so long to get married is like, as I'm, you know, describing the seeing the magazines at the grocery store, I remember every single 
cover of the magazine for years and years being Brad and Angelina finally getting married, question mark. Is this the year Brandon? People say that Brad and Angelina got married in secret. Like I remember that was always, always, always the cover because they had so many kids together and people couldn't believe that they weren't married. And I remember when they did get married and then they did get divorced. It was one of those narratives that's like, hmm, I wonder what would have happened if they didn't make it official, if that's what, you know, was the end of their relationship was the title of marriage. She was married twice previously and those didn't work out, which again, I'm not saying that the, it was the title of wife that was limiting. Who, who the fuck knows? But it is an interesting theory. I don't know. I really, really do not know. I also think, you know, you cannot compare the level of fame of, and I'm not saying this this had anything to do with it, but she was married, what? It was uh, Johnny Lee Miller and Billy Bob Thornton like versus Brad Pitt. And if you're talking about the level of fame, I don't know if that played into it too. You know? Oh, I, I, don't I know. mean, well... Yeah, because, oh my God, I'm having like, it's funny when you try to remember things that happened before your time. I know. Do you know what I, mean? I, I was just thinking, I was like, well, if you remember with Billy Bob Thornton, like it was such a media spectacle because she was so, such a different person then. And there was people who were obsessed with her and so fascinated by her. And I was like, I don't remember that. I remember hearing about that. I was three. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I will, Julie, till the day I fucking die, I will never forget that red carpet where they're making out. They have the vials of each other's bloods on, on their necks. And like, I've watched those clips so many times because she was, the image that she, the image that she put out in the beginning of her relationship with Billy Bob was obsessive. Not, and I don't mean that negatively. She, she was obsessed with him. She couldn't get enough of him. Do you remember? Right. I don't like, know. It just, yeah, I, it's examining her in that relationship and her and her relationship with Brad and who she is now, it seems like three entirely separate people. Like, it seems like those three people never even met each other. Yeah, exactly. We will keep you guys as updated as possible, but don't fall for those clickbait headlines about Jen and Brad reuniting. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. Who the fuck knows? But this was just for a table read, so don't get too excited. Uh, and okay. don't fall for the ones either. Don't fall for the ones either that are about Brad and Harry Styles doing a movie together because apparently that's not true either. And it'll just break your heart if you allow yourself to think that it's true for even a second. Because I, I experienced that. And I'd love to save you guys from that heartbreak. Oh, well, this is the first I'm hearing of that up until this moment. I thought that it was yeah, legit. So yeah. Not true. Sorry, kid. This is the year of Harry Styles, I got to tell you. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't. I know. I can't talk about it. Okay. Next thing we want to talk about is Paris Hilton. So as you guys know, there is a documentary called This Is Paris that premieres on September 14th on her YouTube channel. And we started to see little snippets of it. And in this most recent preview, she talks about the abuse that she says she endured as a teen while at boarding school in Utah. And she said, quote, I buried my truth for so long. This is what she told people exclusively of the mental, emotional, and physical pain that she underwent when she was at Provo Canyon School in the late 90s. She said, quote, but I'm proud of the strong woman I've become. People might assume everything in my life came easy to me, but I want to show the world who I truly am. Quote, it was so easy to sneak out and go to clubs and parties. My parents were so strict that it made me want to rebel. They'd punish me by taking away my cell phone, taking away my credit card, but it didn't work. I would still go out on my own. And she said that eventually her parents were so fed up and they made the decision to send her, she was 17 at the time, to a series of boarding schools that claimed to focus on behavioral and mental development. And the last of which was this Provo Canyon school where she stayed for 11 months. And she said that the abuse that she faced there took place on a daily basis, quote, 
It was supposed to be a school, but classes were not the focus at all. From the moment I woke up until I went to bed, it was all day screaming in my face, yelling at me, continuous torture. The staff would say terrible things. They were constantly making me feel bad about myself and bullying me. I think it was their goal to break us down, and they were physically abusive, hitting and strangling us. They wanted to instill fear in the kids so we'd be too scared to disobey them. She said also that she was placed in solitary confinement. Quote, they would use that as punishment, sometimes 20 hours a day. And she said that she attempted to tell her parents about this, but that it really, nothing ever came of it. Quote, I didn't really get to speak to my family, maybe once every two or three months. We were cut off from the outside world. And when I tried to tell them once, I got in so much trouble, I was scared to say it again. They would grab the phone or rip up letters I wrote telling me, no one is going to believe you. And the staff would tell the parents that the kids were lying. So my parents had no idea what was going on. And she said that in 1999, when she turned 18, she left the school, she went back to New York, but she was too afraid. You know, they kind of instilled too much fear in her to be able to speak about this experience to anyone. And apparently three of her former teen classmates will appear in the documentary making very similar allegations about the school, saying that they were often force-fed medication and held down by restraints as punishment. She says that she currently doesn't have any plans to pursue legal action, but instead she really just wants to raise awareness about other so-called behavior improvement schools that still kind of employ these practices and this physical and verbal abuse that she endured for so long. She said, quote, I want these places shut down. I want them to be held accountable. And I want to be a voice for children and now adults everywhere who've had similar experiences. I want it to stop for good and I will do whatever I can to make it happen. Also, people reached out to the school to comment on the allegations. And they said, quote, originally opened in 1971, Provo Canyon School was sold by its previous ownership in August 2000. We therefore cannot comment on the operations or patient experience prior to this time. Okay, Julie, I have to tell you something. Holy literal fuck. No? Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? I, when this was the, like, she was teasing this for a while saying, you know, nobody knows the secret about me. I had no idea. This was not at all what I expected for it to be. I really was so thrown off by, I don't think I fully, to be honest with you, I don't think I fully understood the course of Paris Hilton's schooling. I, I don't think I realized the types of boarding schools that she went to, which I don't, I don't fault us for. Like, I didn't have that extensive of a knowledge as to the specificities of her school, but holy fuck, this is so crazy. Yeah, this is really wild. Um, Yeah, I I don't even know what to say about this. It's so crazy. I am so, 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 I can't even explain to you how interested in this documentary I am because you and I have been saying this for so long and alongside her saying, saying it as well is just, I think that, what we know about Paris and who we know Paris to be is just so far from probably who she actually is. And I think this is going to be the first time that we're going to see that, which is so crazy to me. But this story is, is really wild and like so heartbreaking. Terrible, terrible. And yeah, you're so right. I mean, in another preview for the documentary, you see her driving and she's saying like, oh God, I don't, sorry, it just takes me a second. I always have to put on such an act that I forget how to really be me. Something of that sort, which... I think is unsurprising, but it will be really interesting. And I really cannot wait to watch this. I think I give her a lot of strength for just coming forward about this. And um, I'm very, very curious to watch this and obviously to talk about it. And I know you guys are really interested too, because we got a lot of inboxes of people sending us the trailer. So don't worry. We are on this as much as you are. Can okay. you believe Sarah Felton is 39? I don't know really? how old I thought she was, but I didn't think it was 39. 
it's funny because Kim is basically the same age or so, but, and I, obviously we know that they're close in age, but I thought the Paris in my mind, Paris was like 33. Like I know, I knew that she was 39, but in my head she was just, oh, 33. That's what I thought too. I know. She looks fucking incredible. She hasn't aged. Not a she day. Has. It's insane. It's insane. No, I know. Okay, last thing we want to just quickly mention before Isabel comes on for the Bravo thing. This just made me happy. I think it would make you guys happy too. So David Dobrik was being interviewed by E.T. and they were asking if he's been able to find Mrs. Wright. And they were kind of saying what he, you know, they were asking what he looks for. And he said, quote, somebody who's self-aware, that's like the most important thing to me. I don't need somebody to be a stand-up comic, but the coolest thing to me about a girl is when they make a joke and the joke falls flat and they wait to be able to climb out of that. I know it's so specific, but that moment to me is like, wow, okay, this person knows how to read a room and maneuver their way around a room. I think that's the most important part to me. As you guys know, he and Liza started dating in 2015 and that YouTube video that got 66 million views, the one that said we broke up was June 5th, 2018. They have not, according to what we know, they haven't you know, gotten at all back together since, but I don't know. There's something, I can't explain what it is. It's not that this is anything profound, but there's just always something interesting to me about the very rare times that David Dobrik speaks about what he would want in a relationship or even anything to do with his relationship that gets me interested. And I thought other people would be interested too. So I kind of just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah. I mean, it, I guess when you look at who he could have been dating and you're like, is it Addison? Is it Madison Beer? Is it his assistant? And it's none of them. You're like, okay, what are you really looking for here? Because you could have anything at this point. I feel like you're being a little unspecific with what you actually want. So I'm just so interested by his relationship. And then also there's obviously a piece of me that wonders if like, it's always just going to be Liza, which I don't necessarily believe, but I wonder that. Well, yeah, of course, because that's the other thing. A lot of people think that Liza's endgame because they were so great together and so happy together. And she is such a force and such an intelligent, beautiful woman. And I don't know. I have no idea, but I, I'm just so curious. I really like him. And I think he's really smart. And I think that, you know, take him and then take like a Jake Paul, who I know they're totally different, but they, they're comparable in terms of their success on YouTube and kind of their place in their let me put it like this. The place that they both could have been in Hollywood, David took it to an extent that I think is so much more well-respected and so much classier. And he really surrounds himself with people that are such a higher caliber. Whereas Jake Paul, just objectively speaking, didn't go that route. But there's something to be said for the what what his reputation could have been with women and what it is not. And like, that's not, I'm not trying to do the whole thing that like the bar is set so low and that we're congratulating him on something that should always be the case. I'm just saying like, it's very easy that this could not have been his reputation with women yet. It seemingly is. He has a very different reputation with women in Hollywood than you would expect of somebody of his age and his fame and his caliber. Yeah. What he could have done and what he did with his fame are just completely different. And I think that he's genuinely someone who just likes what he likes, enjoys what he wants and doesn't do things for like how it looks to the public. Like his, his videos and stuff he does for views and he's very transparent about that. But I don't think he has that same level of insecurity that so many of these rising social media male stars have. And he feels the need to take that out when it comes to his dating life. Like he's okay being more secretive. He's surrounded by these beautiful women and doesn't feel the need to 
be dating all of them just for the sake to be able to say he's dating them. And again, not that he should be rewarded for that. It just is different than what we see. So I do just want to acknowledge that. And I'm just curious. I can't lie. I'm fucking curious. Yeah, I I totally get what you mean. Okay, so imagine these softest sheets you've ever felt. And now imagine them getting even softer with every wash. Told you guys about this company before, but I'm going to tell you again. And I'm honestly not going to stop telling you because they are the best sheets on the market. In a recent customer survey, 96% said that Bowen brand sheets get softer with every wash, which I didn't take that survey, but if I did, I would have been in the 96% because I am telling you, it's like you've tried them at first and you can't believe that they could get softer and then they just continually do. A lot of things I like about this company. First of all, they're made with the rarest 100% organic on and are completely free from toxins. Second of all, they're buttery soft, but also breathable. So they kind of work in any season. They have over 11,000 reviews, 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Their signature sheets come in 13 versatile colors in all sizes. So from twin up to California King, I have them in the color stone. I have the color mineral. I have a waffle blanket. Like I got a lot of things from this company and everything is just quality. I so badly need you to try them so that you can understand what I mean. I'm telling you, I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and everyone I know is hooked. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bull & Branch. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code CBC at bullandbranch.com. That's Bull & Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code is CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I feel like makeup in general and specifically a daily makeup routine is so personal and that we've all kind of gotten down to a science, what works for us, what we need before we leave the house, like where do we feel our most comfortable? And for me on a daily basis, I wear really, really minimal makeup. I actually think I feel the most comfortable with the least amount of makeup, but my two Holy Grail products always have been, I think always will be are mascara and lip gloss, maybe a little highlight on the inner corner if I'm feeling crazy, but Honestly, whether you are fresh face, full glam, wherever you fall, you have probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. It's the one in that turquoise tube that you see all over social media. So Thrive Cosmetics beauty products are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, made with clean, skin-loving ingredients, high-performance and trademark formulas, and uncompromising standards. They have a lot of great products, but the one I want to focus on is the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. First of all, it lasts all day without clumping, smudging, or flaking, which I'm telling you right now, I have a zero tolerance policy for flaking with my mascara. Like I'm just not trying to put you on my lashes if you're going to flake. And they have a flake-free tubing formula that dramatically lengthens and defines your lashes from root to tip. So it kind of looks like lash extensions without the damaging glue or salon prices. Also super easy removal, slides right off with warm water and a washcloth, no soap required. And it has nourishing ingredients that support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It's just like very much worth the hype. I had seen it a lot. And once I tried it, I was like, oh, okay, this is why I see it everywhere. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 20% off your first order. Okay, moving on to our Bravo debrief. Isabel, you there? I'm here. Let's do it. (laughs) How you doing? It was a good week, no? It was a good week. I'm ready, as always. Yes. Okay, so we're going to be talking about Beverly Hills and New York. I want to just give a little bit of a housekeeping announcement. So, you know, we record our episodes on Sunday night for the Monday release, and it's really unfortunate because it's in direct conflict with Potomac. So 
going forward, and this is kind of still in the work, so please on DM tell us your thoughts about this, but this is kind of what we're thinking and what we think makes the most sense. Eventually, we want to have a Bravo podcast, but what we're thinking makes the most sense in the interim is if we did you know, one day a week, a Bravo-focused episode, and we did it on a day that makes the most sense. So we could do Potomac, New York, Beverly Hills, other Bravo shows all in one. We would choose the day that made the most sense and kind of just have a Bravo-focused episode. So imagine this segment, but reimagined a little bit longer. That's kind of what we're thinking. It's been the feedback that we've been getting the most. And I don't know, we just love everybody's thoughts on that. I think it would be a really good idea. Obviously, Isabel is hyped for that, but I just think there's a better way to do this and we want to have the more freedom and not feel so rushed um, in our section. So I just want to keep everybody, get get yourself primed for that. It's not a definite, but I think hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we're going to start to do that. That's been the feedback. Please let us know either on DM or email your thoughts on that. Okay. You ready as well? I'm ready. Let's do this. So I think we should talk about New York first because honestly, there's just not that much to say. And then Beverly Hills, we can really get deep into this conversations and some of the stuff we've been talking about before. So honestly, New York, we're always back at square one. Like I'm here. I'm like, Oh my God, we're here again. They're continuing to talk about Dorinda's issues. Yeah. And the episode starts out with Ramona sending an article in a t- group text to Luann, Sonia, herself and Dorinda, literally like a healthline Google search. Do I have anger issues? And Luann like comes rushing in. Didn't you feel her pain in this moment being like, Oh my God, you included Dorinda in that group chat. And Ramona's like, I know. Like, didn't you feel was, her anxiety in that moment? Yes. Yeah, she had that exact moment, which every single one of us has done where you send the screenshot of your text conversation with the person to that person. I think that that's what Luann thought that Ramona did. And then she was met with this real sense of surprise when Ramona's like, oh no, that was totally on purpose. Like, oh, so yeah. it makes it even worse. And it's funny too, that even Luann, who knows Ramona so well, was like, oh shit, you did that on purpose? Like, wow, you really are ballsy. Um, right. And I just, in such a classic move, Dorinda starts sending all these negative articles about Ramona back. Like she did a Google search of Ramona Singer and it's all the scandal she's been involved in, times she's been rude to people, photos of her. Just, this is a prime moment of, and a lot of people were talking about this on Twitter, how city by city, specifically now because Beverly Hills is on, it's so much easier to contrast how they handle situations so differently. Like if in Beverly Hills, someone had sent this text, like this shady article to a group, it would be a plot line for at least a handful of episodes, if not going on throughout the whole season. But the way that they just like bounce back and forth and by the end of the episode are literally cheersing to the good, the bad, the ugly, and the article and laughing about it is honestly, it's such a unique thing to the city. And I just loved it. They're so going deep in on Dorinda's issues. I think that is going to still come up a lot more because as we've discussed at length, she's hurting. And I think they're at the breaking point where they're like, if you're not going to listen to us and let us help you as your friends, like we can't, it's too exhausting to be friends with you anymore. Yeah. Well, let me just first make a comment to what you said about the way that New York works. I agree with that. I think it's very unique to them. And I think that it really does go to show that they have a lot of history together. You can't compare that versus some of the newer relationships on Beverly Hills or on other seasons. Like at the end of the day, they do have a deep understanding of each other, but 
No, I totally agree. There, and I saw so many tweets and it's like, when you find yourself siding with Ramona, and by the way, siding with Ramona does not mean that you at all agree with the way that she goes about things or you agree with her tact because to me, she just completely lacks a, a sense of tact and, and really- Talking to the waiter this episode, yeah. just, I can't even, we can't even talk about it, but yeah. I can't talk about it. That's too upsetting to me. And that's, that, that, that is the truest form of Ramona. It's not necessarily that she is a- evil person. It's just that she really lacks such a sense of self-awareness and doesn't understand the impact her words have on other people. And it's not okay. And it's not, should not be supported, but take all that aside for just one second. If we're going to focus on the Dorinda issue, like the core of what Ramona is saying is true. Dorinda has a serious, serious anger issue and a lot of unresolved stuff that isn't being worked through. But I want to just, can we, we have to, for 30 seconds, go back to the conversation with Luann. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. When, Luann is sitting outside with Dorinda. It's Luann's last night. She's leaving early in the morning. And all she wants from Dorinda, which like, listen, was Luann dragging it out a little? Maybe. But if let's just catch everyone up to speed. Last week, literally what Dorinda did was exactly the definition of shooting the messenger. Luann went down to defend Dorinda to Ramona. She comes back up and it's like, by the way, Ramona thinks you have a drinking problem. And Dorinda's like, well, fuck you too, right? So that was a whole blow up that was unnecessary. Dorinda never apologized. And all Luann was looking for was an apology. And I am sorry, I like Dorinda. I genuinely do. She's, there's so much going on that is being unresolved here that as a viewer, I, I find it I find it one of the most frustrated I've ever been with a housewife. I really, really do. The lack of acknowledgement as to your own part in any of these situations is becoming from bothersome to infuriating, in my opinion, and saddening. Yeah. Well, there's two things I want to say. First of all, the reason that it's, I find it so frustrating as opposed to some other housewives is because I ha- I believe in her. And I know that deep down she has something in her in deep within her, like she is a good person and she is better than this with housewives who maybe just are the way they are to the core. Like it's almost less frustrating because you're like, whatever, they're just a lost cause. This is who they are. But I genuinely believe that she can do better and should do better and is doing herself a disservice by not getting the help she needs or not kind of the way that she deflects her issues. And another thing, the, the shoot the messenger, it's literally the definition of what happened. And I think the moment that someone starts attacking her, she sees red and she, any of her morals and any of the things that she preaches go completely out the window because she sees red. And in the moment she will pull any of the meanest, darkest, worst things that she can think of to say in that moment to kind of take the heat off of her. So, and she's like, and she's the one who's practicing, who's preaching like, um, let's not go like looking in the past, like let's move on, move forward. But then she brings up Luann's um, mugshot, which obviously Luann is trying to move forward from. She's digging up old shit and it's not fair. You have to practice what you preach, especially when it's on camera. No, it's, it's so unfortunate. It's so upsetting. And I really do believe, or at least I hope in my soul that when she watches this, I don't know if that's at the reunion. I don't know if it's a little bit later than that. She can rewatch these episodes and really understand what everybody was saying because it's like objectively you can I don't care who you are watching this you don't have to like Ramona I'm like the least person to ever be a Ramona fan but like you can still understand that Dorinda clearly is seeing this wrong and I really don't like that um Leah keeps getting put in this situation even by Luann to have to like 
kind of explain it to Dorinda because for some reason, Leah seems to be the only person that Dorinda doesn't completely blow up on. And it's an uncomfortable spot for Leah because she does want to say with this Luann situation, like, yeah, Dorinda, by the way, this is what she was doing. But also just to get her involved then, it's just, it's, it's just nasty and it's unfair and it's so fucking infuriating to watch. And it's like, handle your shit and stop taking it out on every single person because these women don't deserve it. Some of them maybe at times do, but the way that you're doing this is so uncalled for. I agree. What I said before, Dorinda watching this back at the reunion, I feel like she will be able to look at herself and see the pain and see the problems and really understand the issues better versus some other women, not necessarily New York, just in general, who will watch back their behavior and not see the problem with it. I don't see, I don't think that's Dorinda. I think she is able to self-reflect, especially when it's on camera and be like, listen, I know how shitty I look and I get it. That's why it's Mm -hmm. frustrating because I think she's smart and self-aware and it's, it's just really sad. Um, It's really sad. And when someone is coming yeah. to you and explaining to you, no matter how stupid you may think it is, when someone's telling you their feelings, you at least need to give them the chance. You at least need to validate their feelings. And she can't even put her fucking pride aside for 10 seconds to validate Luann. Um, and like, listen, in the scheme of things, it's not the biggest deal. And I get that she has a lot going on, but it's not okay. Like giving her a free pass is not the move here. It's it's not. So yeah, anyway, it's, that's it's just. The, it's the defensive thing just continues to come up and it's really hard to watch. Um, that was like the main thing of New York. Leah and her mom, I could analyze for hours. I can't wait one day. Hopefully we get to talk to her about that because I think it's such an interesting relationship. And lastly, Sonia at her launch party just made me so happy. Like last week when I said it hurt my feelings when they were being mean to her about it, they really showed up. They all were wearing Sonia by Sonia Morgan. They were so happy for her. She was glowing. Finally, a project took off and I just could not be happier for her. Yeah, it's kind of like that little engine that could, you know? Yeah, she's just such a little cutie, Sonia. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready for Beverly Hills? Obviously, I was born fucking ready. Love you, I'll ever be. Okay. Quickly, before we get into this week's episode, I think this is important to talk about because we spoke so much about um, Garcelle's comments about Amelia, Rena's daughter, and the back and forth on Instagram and how her comment in not her Instagram comment, her actual comment at in Rome was so out of left field and felt really attacking. So sometimes I think that the housewives blame editing and like it's bullshit because like you say what you say, editing only can do so much. But in this case, it was kind of an unfair omission, which I'll get to. So I was watching I was watching last week's episode and Bravo does this thing now where they'll show some never before seen like deleted scenes. And they played this extended clip of after they're discussing Amelia's at Rena dancing on Instagram, Amelia's struggles with eating disorders. Garcelle starts opening up and it's actually a really like raw and honest moment between moms. Whereas we kind of thought saw it as this attack on Rena and Garcelle came out of left field and was just being mean. I sent this to you. And didn't you think that was just so interesting? Like how your whole view and the vibe of the conversation was completely different than it was perceived in the, in the real edit of the episode. Yes. And I said that last week, remember on the episode last week, I was like, I have to imagine that there was some editing here because I do not believe Garcelle to be as Garcelle's to me is like very understands what's going on and really has a good sense of things. So it came so out of left field and not that she was wrong to bring it up, but it was just confusing. So yes, this made it, I I felt validated and it made it make so much more sense completely. So basically 
the reason Garcelle brought it up is because she wanted to admit and get it off her chest to Rinna that she had said those things and that it wasn't like some secret thing that she was talking behind her back. She's like, I would never judge you, but I wanted to let you know what I said. My son Oliver has dealt with addiction since he was in fifth grade. We've been through so much. I'm sure there were signs with Oliver that I missed, just like Rinna did with her daughter. This is what she said in her confessional. I would never judge another parent. I feel sometimes I messed up because I was too lenient. And she's crying. Rena's crying. They're really having a heart to heart. All the other women are crying. Like it was really a beautiful moment opposed to my feelings last week where I felt like it was such a terrible moment. And I just felt like that was really important to include because we talked about it so much. Um, Amelia and Rena have a conversation later in this actual episode about it. And I feel like it's less of an icky like sad, weird place than I felt about it last week, kind of that the way that it was brought up and how the conversation came to be. So I just thought that was like so important because I feel like people probably were upset about it and they were they didn't have all of the information. So No, they did they did they did Garcelle wrong with that editing. And when you understand that her comment was coming from her own place of vulnerability and she was sharing that before then Speaking to Rena made it make a lot more sense. And I completely agree with you. I'm glad you mentioned that. Okay. This fucking episode. Literally, the Capri room at Buca de Beppo is where shit happens. Oh so, my God. We ca- I can't even get into the physical, like, Dorit collab with Buca de Beppo because that needs its own episode. I just have a million questions and I just can't. I just can't. Okay. I can't either. I really, I'm sorry. Like, no, no, I just, let me quickly, quickly, quickly say, and then I promise, I like Dorit. Like, I don't even have anything against her, but I was expecting elegance on a grand scale. I was expecting this to be the most marvelous display of interior design I've ever seen. And you're going to open with that room, which like, yes, I, I guess it did have an essence of Capri fine, but all of that for that, like, come the fuck on. And I'm sorry. And Dorit has amazing taste. Like that is just, I just, I just can't. I really just like, I don't have it in me. And this is, if we, when we start our own hour episode, we can literally do one talking about the lemons on the ceiling and the weird painted photos, but I just don't, I don't have it in me. Okay. Okay. Also, by the way, she combined like this grand reveal with Teddy's baby shower. Like in what world would Dorit ever be co-hosting with Kyle, literally Teddy's like pseudo sister hosting her baby shower. It was all about the reveal of this room. And even Teddy says like, okay, this baby shower is like kind of half about Dorit, kind of half about me. It was just so weird. And it felt like this really intimate thing to host a baby shower seemed so intimate to me. Like it seems like your sister or your best friend does that. And I feel like Kyle also was low-key so annoyed the whole time, but she just wanted to go with the flow and make it nice for Teddy. But I just felt like her annoyance of being like, oh, I wish I was just throwing this in my gorgeous backyard, doing it the way I wanted with the flowers I wanted, not with like onesies hanging off the lemons on the ceiling. I mean, yes. And also if we're being honest, this entire baby shower was a way to get Brandy in the room and just have this conversation, which I know we'll get into in about 30 seconds. But like this whole, like we can just acknowledge the fact that Dorit wanted to show off the restaurant. They wanted to get Brandy in there. So they were like, oh shit, Teddy's having a kid. Why not? And Kyle was probably happy to pass along, but was annoyed. But yeah, completely agree. Let's not even focus on that. Let's get into the substance. I have so much to say. Okay. So first and foremost, of course, Denise conveniently says she's FaceTimes in, says she's sick. And Kyle's like, fucking duh, she was never going to come. And basically he's like, 
She should have just said she was not down to come. It's a baby shower and there should be no drama. I don't think it's good for me to be there. Like that would, they would have appreciated that so much more instead of like, (laughs) I'm sick, you know? Second, just like what you were saying, this whole second half of the episode, again, we have to let go of looking for like the manufactured elements because it is physically the only way that we can get these conversations done is if they bring Brandy in like, oh, you want to stop by? I do like that Teddy had her real off-screen friends there. So it felt a little more genuine than just having like her five castmates there. But it was hilarious when they were like, we should go, like we're going to leave when they were really getting into the nitty gritty of the Denise and Brandy stuff. Like, you know, I I appreciate the effort bringing the real friends in, but like it just doesn't mask. Like we're all we're in we're in on it now, you know. Right. Nobody's complaining. We all understand what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm sure her friends like were very happy to be with the castmates. They got a little screen time. They got to bring their gifts, but it was just like I'm sure they were happy to see the fucking Capri room, but no. Um, Marcel and Sutton leave kind of early, which was interesting. So they're not there for that. And I feel like that was kind of interesting because it made it feel a little bit less balanced with like the quote sides. So Mm -hmm. then Kim is like, Brandy just texted me. She said she was invited. She's in the neighborhood and wanted to know if she could still stop by. And they're like, oh yeah, she was invited. Technically we mentioned it in front of her. Shows up, pink dress, has a gift, glam, mic'd. You know what? Whatever. I, I give up. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to have her there. Right. I'm not, I'm not going to get it. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to get all, what's, what's the, I forget exactly what the expression is, but I'm not going to get all worked up over that. Yeah. So they get into this conversation about Brandy, her co-parenting, how she stopped by Thanksgiving with Eddie and Leanne Rhymes. And, you know, they're saying like, basically, Brandy's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not easy. Like I'm, I'm a tough cookie. And Dorit turns her and says, do you like to be controversial? Are you looking to be controversial all the time? Would you say that honesty is really important to you? Like obviously trying to bring it up. And they're like, okay, let's just get the elephant out of the room. Shit hit the fan in Rome. Denise is saying that everything you have told us is not true. Both the mean things that she allegedly said, and also the whole hooking up situation. Like Denise is saying that you guys do not even speak. So let alone all of these things that you have told us are completely untrue. And Brandy's like, I'm not trying to hurt this person here. In April, I went to visit her on set to do her podcast. They, the girls asked if Aaron was there. Cause I guess, I don't know if we missed this, but apparently she told them that Aaron was there, which he wasn't. And she said, I knew for a hundred percent fact that they had an open thing as long as it was just with girls. So we were making out. I bit her. I left marks. So the next day she said to me, Aaron can never know this. He'll kill me. This is from my corset. Basically, Brandy was saying like she thought it was okay because they had this open relationship when it, if it was about with girls. And the next mar- morning, Aaron, she said, oh, Aaron actually can't know that this happened. Right. So then it starts getting into whether and Brandy and Denise have any relationship regardless of the sex stuff. And that's when they start passing the phone around. And Erica says, like, I wasn't even paying attention to what the messages said. I just was aware of the pages and pages and pages of messages between them, where, which seems weird when Denise is saying they barely speak. She doesn't know her. They have no relationship. I I have to just say, I know we're, I'm sure we will get into this in a second. And I have to just say, 
you know, one, I understand that Dorit was really coming at it from the perspective of defending Denise and saying, I don't believe a word you're saying. And Brandy felt the need to prove herself. I understand how Brandy felt. I can imagine that being said as a viewer, like I literally said this to you off the podcast. This is not like a, me just saying it on the podcast, everything. I felt so fucking uncomfortable watching that phone being passed around of like, take away any, take away the sexual element here. That's not even what's being discussed. Who the fuck knows what are in those texts? I thought that that was so, I understand Brandy felt like her back was against the wall. She was being accused of lying. Specifically, Dorit was really coming at her. But to take your phone and to just pass it around and let everybody have have an open book knowledge as to the intimacy of your text with another one of your friends, again, sexual relationship aside, is not okay. And if I was Denise, I would have felt so unbelievably violated. And I understand Brandy probably feels like, hey, all bets are off here. You lied. You make me out to be the fucking liar. Let, let me show you. I get it, but it's just so not anything that I could imagine ever doing. And I felt so uncomfortable by it. And I felt like everybody at the table, it's not that I was necessarily blaming them for scrolling, but I just felt like it was icky and I didn't even like witnessing it. It was weird to me. Right. And it's also like they, both sides were wrong. Brandy is wrong to hand her phone over and say, here, scroll through, which I think is the biggest invasion of privacy. I would hate if anyone in my life, whether they like me or not, did that. No matter what they say, it just feels so invasive. But also these women grabbed the phone right out of her hand, passed it around like it was a fucking hot potato. Like they're just as much to blame. So it it was just, it was like a moment where that was the only thing they could get. So can I say clit on this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> You're sex positive, remember? I just want to say, what to your point about Dorit, like, no matter your view on this entire situation, Dorit was literally a model friend throughout this whole dinner. Like, I think she, I think she would be so proud for Denise when she, Denise watches this episode to watch it and see how Dorit asked the right questions. She did everything she could. She was so defensive of her. She really stood up for her. Like. I think in all these reunions, citywide, every reunion, they say, you should have defended me. You should have been a good friend. This right here is what they always are craving. Like, if I'm not there, you're going to really champion me and say, I believe Denise, asking the right questions, saying, getting to the bottom of it, and but in a way that shows who your allegiance is with. And I think Dorit did that really well, whether you agree with her or not. Like, I just thought that was so... It, it was the first time I felt so clearly like, okay, she is, she has Denise's back. So I, I so, wait, wait, I have to say one thing. I so, so, so agree with you. Like a gazillion percent, it was model a, a million, but, and this is so unlike me, but there was a, a tiny little cynical side of me. If I'm being a hundred percent honest, but I really don't even like that I'm saying this, but it's how I felt that felt it was almost a little bit performative. It was almost like she had the reunion on her mind and was almost getting off on the idea of this clip being played back. And I'm not saying that was the case. I really hope that I'm wrong. And I really do think she wants to defend Denise, but I would be lying if I said that I didn't feel a tiny little bit of it was performative, but that could just be me being really cynical and you may totally disagree. I just wanted to mention that in all honesty, if I'm being honest, I don't like that I felt that way, but I have to be honest that I did. No, I honestly very much agree with you, but I kind of had to put myself in the shoes of like, well, if you're too quiet, like at the end of the day, it's a TV show. If you're too quiet, it doesn't really come across if you just let them keep talking. Like you, you're on camera. You have to get a word in. And 
I think she was doing the mix of like really making sure her point was heard and her side was heard on it. And when it comes to a TV show, like I can't explain it, but I, I think it was both. I think she genuinely felt it, but the way that it was expressed was like a little over the top just to make sure really cement in her points. Yeah. You're totally right. Keep going. So Dorit's asking her all these questions and finally Brandy literally cracks and is like, I fucking sucked on her clit. I have a close fucking relationship with her. Okay, bitch. And then they're all like, Oh my God. Like the, the air left the room. And Mm -hmm. then Brandy says, I think she's a master manipulator even more than LVP, Lisa Vanderpump. That's how I feel, which to me is like the ultimate because no one's had more issues than Brandy and Lisa Vanderpump. Brandy basically exposed and, knows how manipulative Lisa Vanderpump is. So for her to say that Denise, she thinks Denise is more manipulative than her was like, whoa, like that's heavy. That was kind of like, she brought out the big guns, like mentioning that was when she meant to say like, I'm not fucking around here. Yeah. Like she would never toss her on LVP if she didn't really feel it. And so, okay. So you're watching this. You're like, yeah, yeah. You know, we're really breaking it down. They're so upset that Denise would lie to them. And Rinna's saying like it just she manipulate me and they're all and Teddy's kind of breaking it down about the lying and the the small details of the events and I paused it and I kind of took a step back and something I kind of struggle with and this was a real moment of that was when you're watching Housewives and you look at it from a bird's eye view like how is how are these issues affecting the women by not sharing information about their lives. So like, how is this issue with between Denise and Brandy affecting the whole group? And it almost feels like such a stretch when they're like, you know, this proves that Denise is such a liar. Is she lying to me? Is she lying about this? Like, I almost, I feel like a bad Housewives viewer, but sometimes I'm like, who cares? This doesn't affect your life. The only parts about it that affect you are if she was talking shit about Teddy and Erica, which like great that you all talk shit about each other. And I I just was like, wait, like what? Like why does this eat this? Like I was trying to reel it back and find the connection again with why they care so much. And it was really hard. It just has become like a, who do you believe issue and who is right versus who is lying, regardless of what the issue is about. And regardless of if the lying even affects them and the reason for the lying, which is obviously at the end of the day, her marriage and her reputation and her kids. I literally, it's okay. I so, so, so agree with you. And it's really hard because there's a couple of different things going on here. On one hand, you feel the exact same way, like what you just said of what the actual fuck, like how are these things related? And then you recognize that they really don't give a shit if it's related and they just want, they are all now against Denise. And so they are using this as a way to further prove the fact that she is not as honest as she said. And like, it's hard as a viewer because I completely agree that this is Denise's private thing and that she you know, that they are not entitled to have any sort of under, you know, any, they're not, they're not allowed or should have the sense of entitlement as to what goes on in her relationship sexually, regardless. That being said, that, that 
belief exists. And then it very much coexists with also the fact of like, I think Denise handles situations really shitty. I think everything from the whole stuff when it starts back to her kids and when she was upset with that and walking out with Aaron and the way that she allowed Aaron to attack the ladies, nothing to do with the Brandy situation. Like you have that in your head too. So it's like, okay, I can agree with my moral belief and Denise's belief that like, this is none of their business. And also say like, yeah, but Denise also handles things in a really immature way a lot of the time. And you find yourself being caught up in having these, this, this kind of uh, like multifaceted approach to this. I feel is, is, is I, I could imagine that that's an experience that a lot of us are having. Yeah. Well, and the next scene after this whole dinner, this explosive, they're all kind of like, well, what the hell do we do? Like at a certain point, you can't defend someone who's indefensible and it's Rinna and Kyle are in Kyle's kitchen. And they're talking about like the truth versus friendship where you can stick up for someone, you can believe someone, but at the end of the day, like when the facts are presented to you, you're innocent until proven guilty. And Kyle's saying they flashback to Kyle with the whole puppy gate selling to radar online situation with Lisa Vanderpump, which was eventually the downfall of their entire relationship. They had the falling out because Kyle was like, if someone is asking me truthfully, if I don't think you sold this, I'm not going to start being a liar if I don't believe it's not true when they're, they're, all of the information is right in front of me to prove it otherwise. Like you can only be so loyal to a certain point. And Reno said, I want to stick up for my friend, but I can't do that. And she was like, Denise kind of made me feel guilty and weaponized their friendship, used her understanding of the kids against her. So overall, this has now just become like, we don't like Denise. We want to prove that she's a liar. So now that we've been presented this from Brandy, it gives us that, that backup that she is a liar. She doesn't present her whole story. And that's, that's it. And aside from that, it's only like, if Brandy hadn't brought this to them, there would be no reason for them to be talking about it. They, they feel like so burdened by this information that now they've taken on it as their problem and they will not rest until Denise is proven a liar. Yeah. It's just like, honestly, like I, it's so true. It's, and honestly, my annoyance is just towards Teddy. Like I can't help it. I just, I, I, I don't, I like her. Like, I think she's fine, but I think she adds nothing. And her involvement in this plot line is so bothersome to me because it's so clearly, the intentions are so clearly just to like show that Denise is not this good person that people think she is, or like to take down Denise yet it's done in this really backhanded way. And it's like, you don't have to like Denise. That's totally fine. But also don't make this whole fucking thing just to prove that I, I can't, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't, yeah. I don't like this. I loved this plot line. And now I'm like, I don't like this. It feels intrusive. It feels invasive as a viewer. I'm over it. I want, and I'm frustrated by the fact that Denise is lacks such honesty, not in, you know, with the Brandy thing, like that's her personal business. And if she wants to go about that in the way she does, but just in the way that she handles other things, I think I'm frustrated by her communication style, but it still doesn't give them. And by them, I really just more so mean, honestly, I feel like Teddy, um, a right to handle this in that way. I don't know. It's weird. I don't like it. I can't, I, I, I'm like turned off. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was such a good plot line before we really knew the intricacies. And I, I thought Denise would be more down. Like, I didn't think it would be so dark. I don't know. It just feels like because Denise is shying away from it so much, it feels, I feel really bad how blown out of proportion it's gotten. Like she does, she won't even admit that they speak, let alone that anything ever happened. So I just feel bad now 
that she is trying so badly for this to go away. And it is complete. It's everything. It's everywhere. It's the whole plot of the season. It will be the whole reunion. Well, actually maybe not, but apparently I think I saw Brandy um, was shooting her one-on-one thing. So we'll see. Yeah. I, just, I feel bad. I'm ready for this to move on. I'm ready for the reunion. I want to see what they have to say. Listen, end of the day, say what you want. It's fucking great TV. And I love hearing everyone's side. And you know what? Brandy is controversial, but she knows how to f- make a good episode. I'll tell you that. No, come on. She was fucking made for reality television. And you know that. Sure. Well, I love you. And hopefully we will be doing more of this in a more expanded way that will appeal to people in a different way. Because I think that you know, for those of you who are Bravo watchers, you're not listening to this part anyway. And for those of you who are, you may want a little more time. So hopefully it'll be its own episode. And again, inbox us, email us, tell us your thoughts. We love you guys. And thank you for letting us do this because Bravo is so much goddamn fun. And I genuinely feel sorry for people who aren't on board. I got to tell you. It's, it's its own universe. I can't even understand it. And yeah, it really is. Okay, Julie. Hi. How was it? Oh my God. You know, I love my break. (laughs) You do. Okay. Moving on to the award ceremony. We didn't have a clapback this week. And as you guys know, we don't like to make one up if there really wasn't one. We only like to give it if it's deserving. So funniest comment of the week as voted by our Patreon goes to Lady Gaga. Uh, Rihanna posted that video of Trump and Melania walking down the steps of the plane. And you can just so clearly see Melania kind of shooing his hand away while holding a Birkin and Lady Gaga Gaga comments that Birkin is pissed. (laughs) This is one of those where like the comment itself was actually great and obviously the post is great too but in any event where Lady Gaga is commenting on Rihanna's post I just think that's epic in general. I was going to say that so often in interviews, we're asked exactly that question. Do you guys weight it by the person or by the comment? And we always say we really do it by the comment. But sometimes if there's a person that's so rare, we'll post it just because, you know, Will Smith and Mariah Carey is too iconic of a duo to not, for example. But this one, I was so, it's like she came through with the comment and then the actual substance was there. And by the way, she's totally right. <laughs> the market oh, yeah. <laughs> is not having it. And also you guys know this happens really, really rarely. Like I would say 99% of our posts, Julie and I do together, but I was sleeping. This happened at like 1am and I was sleeping and I woke up and I, before I even saw what they captioned it, I was typing like, if Birkins could talk. And I saw that they <laughs> captioned it. I was like, you guys just know me so fucking well. We are so on the same wavelength. There was nothing else to caption that. No, I mean, it's just, it was just so good. Yeah. Loved every second of that. Okay. Kardashian recap, shall we? We shall. Okay. So as you guys know, the past couple of weeks, we've been reporting on Scott and Sophia. And I think it was last week where it was reported that they split up, but it wasn't as I would say official as this, where this week via people quote, it's always been difficult for them to balance their relationship with Scott's family life. His kids will always come first. And another source told people that they are not seeing each other. Quote, Scott's focus is his health and his kids. Sophia wants to hang out with friends and enjoy the summer. Since they're no longer on the same page, they decided to just be apart, at least for now. I can't stop thinking about who has custody of the dog. Yeah, she's been posting with it more. Yeah, I guess she hasn't. But I feel like the kids are going to be so upset if they can't see him. I got to tell you, Julie, yes, but I don't think it's a deal breaker. They have plenty of other animals. North literally, I mean, I know it's not North's kids, but North literally just got a horse. (laughs) North has 14 horses. 
like what? No, I know. I don't know. You guys, you know, it's funny. It's, it's so, I think one of my favorite things is that I can really tell that the people that listen to this podcast are our kind of people because the amount of people that sent us that e-news post or the people post or whatever it was. And we're like, Oh my God, I really love Sophia. But guys, what do you think about Courtney? Like not in a rude way, not in a like fuck Sophia way in a very just like, Oh, I know we kind of love her, but also what do you guys think? And I'm like, yes, you get us. Like, I can't lie. It's kind of like what we were talking about earlier with Jen, Jen Aniston, Angelina and Brad. I don't want to think of Jen, Brad and Angelina and automatically think, Jen, I really wish in my mind I could separate the two in terms of the love triangle, but I, it's, I can't, it's kind of like this one. I can't view Scott and Sophia's relationship in a vacuum without having the corny elements slip in. I just can't help it. So I, who knows if Courtney and Scott are doing some sort of rekindling, but they were looking really like happy in Idaho with Jason Kennedy. I don't know the comments. Like my mind is going, I'm sure it's based in fantasy, but just let me have it. I'll let you have it. I mean, listen, I've come a, a very long way in my thinking on Scott and Courtney now. So I, anything's possible, kid. Anything's possible. It is. It was also Sophia's 22nd birthday and she posted, she had a whole, you know, Sophia's 22nd merch and it was they took a private plane. I'm not sure exactly where they're going yet, but it was her, her mom, Diane, Stas, her brother, Miles, Victoria, Amber, a couple of other people. Kylie wasn't there. You know, a lot of people were messaging us like, do you think Kylie's not there because of Scott? Honest to God, I don't think that's what it is. I really, really don't. I could be so off and maybe it's too soon and, and that could be the reason, but I don't think so. I don't think that Sophia and Kylie's relationship is dependent on whether or not she's with Scott. They were friends before. And I just don't see it ever turning ugly to the point where she wouldn't be associated with Sophia. Because if it was that, that, that bad, neither would Stoss and neither would Victoria. No, that's right. And I don't think it's bad. I think that they may have had a falling out. Like, I don't think that it's like they're still best friends and that she just happened to not be able to go on the trip. Like, I think they probably had some sort of falling out and it could have had something to do with Scott, but I don't think that means it's on bad terms. Also, they could be completely fine and Kylie just could have not wanted to go. I don't know. I don't um, think I, I don't think they had a falling out. That's just my, I mean, I have no fucking idea, but I, that's just my gut. I don't see it. You think Kylie was invited? Yeah, I think Kylie was invited. Either Kylie was invited and just didn't, couldn't go or didn't want to go or was busy with stuff with Stormy or... You know, maybe, and no, yeah, I think she was invited. That's just what I think. I, I could be wrong. I just don't see it. Maybe I'm just too much of an optimist in that regard, but I don't think that they had a friendship before and it's not, I don't think it's, it's like either of them to want to make a big deal of something that isn't, shouldn't be a big deal. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, she hasn't posted much with her this summer at all though, right? Yeah. But that could make sense that because of the state of their relationship, you know, her and Scott, it's one thing, but I don't, I think there's a difference between like wanting to respect Scott's distance versus something actually happening. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I mean, listen, I thank God all of the other friends are still kind of intact and friends with her because I think that would be a really shitty situation if it wasn't the case and like really surprising. Mm -hmm. Um, so if Kylie's just like kind of the one that wants to separate herself for a little bit, then I don't see anything wrong with that. Even yeah. if, you know what I mean? Like, even if we don't necessarily think that's the case, that, that would be like worst case scenario in this right now. So like, right. Exactly. I just think I do judge it a lot by, in my opinion, Stas's number one loyalty is to Kylie. So if God forbid there was something so fucked up, which I do not think is happening, Stas isn't going to be on that plane. I just don't see it. But again, I no, I don't think so either. And I don't, even if there was a falling out, I don't think it was something that was like so fucked up. I could just see Kylie like wanting to separate herself a little. That's all. Yeah. 
at the end of the day, you know, her, her family is Scott, her family is Courtney. And so if they needed a little time, that's one thing. I don't know. I don't think it's anything to look into, although I cannot wait for the pictures from that trip. If I'm being honest. Same. Where are they? I have no idea. I didn't see anything. She she posted today. Yeah. I don't know yet. I'm really, really curious. It could be Cabo. Could be. Could be. Okay, we're going to end with a little discussion on the most recent promo clip that came out for this season that comes back September 17th. But first, I just want to mention Addison, it looks like, is in Chris's Palm Springs house with Courtney. And E! News, I'm seeing all these outlets are just posting that picture that Courtney posted of them both in the bikini and Courtney's kind of like over her taking pictures. People are, I feel like, tell me if you agree with this, the level of fascination that people have with this friendship on our end, meaning like the amount of people that are messaging us about it. I can't think of the last friendship that this is comparable to. No, I can't either. That's such a good, that's such a good question. Oh, it's going to drive me crazy if I can't come up with one. If you guys come up with a good answer, please send us a DM because the people aren't, I get it. Like I, I fully get it. I'm on board, but the fascination level is beyond. And I think I was really thinking a lot about it. And like, yes, I think people are confused as to the age difference, et cetera. The fact that Addison started from TikTok, as you guys know, that's like not a thing for me. I kind of just feel like once you're in a certain level of fame, it it doesn't matter. And like, I I don't judge it. But the part that I think is people, like the fat, where the fascination is coming from in addition to those things is the fact that you view, you generally view the Kardashians inner circle as ironclad in a way. Like you're not getting in. A lot of new people aren't coming in and out. And then for Addison, who's really this, I mean, she's 19 years old. She's a a young, young woman who just had this rise on social media to infiltrate to the point where she's in Kris Jenner's Palm Springs house, which is not like everybody's going to. I think everybody is having this like reimagining as to the Kardashian inner circle and just being like, what the fuck is going on here? Not from even a judgmental place. Maybe there's some jealousy there, fine. But more so of just like a Wait a wait a damn minute, you know? Right. For me, it is so much just about how quickly they became friends to the point where they like they act like they've been friends their whole lives. Like it would be weird for Courtney to go to the Palm Springs house without Addison. Like God forbid. I just it has nothing to do with the age for me. It's just about the quickness of the relationship. I mean, when they, when she when they were in that YouTube video and. Addison was like, yeah, so we come here six to seven times a week and we work out. I'm like, didn't you meet her six to seven days ago? No, I know. I just, I can't get enough of it. Like, I'm sorry. I can't. I like it. I support it. I'm into it. I think it's such good content. It's fun. Courtney looks like she's having fun. Who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Also, by the way, some of those, some of those TikTok people are so toxic. Charlie, I'm not talking about you, but some of the people that I feel like Addison was surrounding herself with. So you know what? If she's going to take a weekend at Chris Jenner's gorgeous Palm Springs house to kind of cleanse her soul of this bullshit, let her do that. Courtney's the perfect person that's going to restore that balance for you. That's how I feel. Call me crazy. Also, it's a really good environment to put yourself into because if you have Chris Jenner there telling you who you should and shouldn't be associating with and how to keep yourself away from the bullshit, you're going to be putting yourself in a very good place. Yeah, totally. And listen, I think we can all acknowledge the fact that big things are happening for Addison. I'm sure there will be things released about stuff with our family. Who knows? I could absolutely see her going in a reality television angle, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So like, I think having Courtney there also as guidance for that, especially as she does these makeup collabs and does all these things that she's done. I just, I don't know. I like it. I'm into it. I don't care. Is it a little weird? Yeah. But you know something? We're getting the content. So who the fuck cares? 
I'm literally currently Googling weirdest celebrity friendships because it's driving me crazy that I can't think of a comparable example. Yeah, this was tr- the DMs that we've gotten about this definitely are the most, I, I think, in my recent memory. Yeah. Okay, last thing. So another promo was released for the season that comes back on September 17th, which holy fuck. And it was Kim on the phone with Courtney and Kim was saying that she only found out about Scott being in rehab because the story broke. And Courtney was just saying how devastated Scott is and how he was leaving the facility as they were speaking. He didn't really know what to do. And that it was a one-on-one therapy session. It wasn't a group because as you guys know, a picture of him was leaked. So Kim's first reaction was, was it someone from the group? And Courtney was saying, no, this was a one-on-one therapy session. So from the way that they're making it sound, it was either the therapist that leaked it or someone directly associated within the facility. I am dying to see that. I still believe that to be one of the biggest invasions of privacy ever. And yeah. I'm just really, really fucking curious to see all the details of that one. Oh my God, I can't wait. Also, I love Courtney's protectiveness in this scene. Yes. You know, I agree with you. It never left in a way. It was always there, but now it's now it's coming out more. Well, it's easier to be protective of somebody when they're actually taking the steps to help themselves. Whereas the first time around, I think you didn't see that as much because her protectiveness was so um, kind of exerted only to her kids because that was kind of all she could handle because she was, you know, protecting them, protecting them from their dad who was going through a lot right now. And then Scott wasn't really taking care of himself. So it was hard to kind of extend that to him. And now that they're all in such a great place and Scott you know, as soon as something happened and as soon as something kind of went wrong and he needed to refix himself, he went and he did what he needed to do. And it's really, not that it's easy to be protective in that case, but for Courtney, it's, it's gotta be a lot easier than the first time around. Oh no, I totally agree with you. And I think she's proud of him and I think she wants to do everything in her power to, you know, to have him continue on this path. I agree with you. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. I love watching it. I love every second of it. Also watching them do their confessionals, straight out of their bedrooms. Clearly they have professional glam, but you can tell it's, they're not in a studio. It's very similar to watching Luann and the house as in New York kind of do the same thing. And I'm sorry. I love it. I love every second of it. It's a, it feels more raw, whether or not it is, I don't know, but it just feels more raw. I love it in the houses because I love getting glimpses at their furniture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's one thing we've seen Kim's living room more times than I can count, but we haven't necessarily seen these random guest bedrooms that she's probably shooting in. I, I love it. I am so fucking excited for this season. I, I know that it's like weird because we were talking about this last week where it's like, it's going to take place mostly during Corona, but I feel like so much has happened with them. A, that they have to give us the behind the scenes on all of those crazy things. Cause what else do they have going on? And B, I just want to see them at home. No, same. I also should say, I mean, we'll make this announcement at the beginning of next week, but just for anybody, if you've been listening to the Kardashian bonus shows on Thursday, we've obviously been recapping season two. And last week we did season two, episode four, and we were thinking, okay, we have three episodes left and there's seven episodes left in the season. So what do we do? Because obviously the second regular, you know, this next season comes back, we're switching to that. So what we kind of did was we took an inventory of the remaining episodes. There were some that are just really filler. We're not even going to bother. We may just mix them together. We wanted to end with the Colorado Breckenridge trip because that was just a trip that I think will go down in Kardashian history. So we're going to end with that. So basically maybe we'll combine episodes five and six, maybe episode you know seven will stand alone, whatever the Breckenridge trip will be the last one. And that's kind of how we'll conclude the season. I'll explain it more in detail on Thursday, but if you're following along, don't worry. If you're counting down the episodes, don't think we're not going to get to Colorado. 
we would never fucking do season two and not do Colorado. That would just be, (laughs) that would be a sin. No, it would be a sin. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, is there anything else that you want to mention at all other than Kim and Allison doing their collection, which really makes my heart sing because Allison doesn't typically do this type of stuff and it makes me happy that she puts herself out there in a way. Yeah, no, I love that. I, I always say that I think one of the most defining things about Kim's character is how is her friendships that have kind of stood the test of time. So I am a big fan of this collab. I totally agree. Also, I had said last week, I think I said on Patreon that I was going to do a Skims review of the stuff that I got because people were asking. I didn't do it because I ordered more stuff. So I wanted to do it all together. But again, as I'm recording this, I'm sitting in my Skims pajama bottoms and I just could not speak more highly of a product. So that's <laughs> a non-paid ad that I feel strongly about. Um, anything you want to mention else? No, that's it, kid. Okay, I think that's all. We love you guys. Thank you as always for listening, for letting us do this. It's the best thing ever. And you feel so inclined, please. If you have something nice to say and you want to leave a review, we'd really, really appreciate it in the five stars. It really helps us. Um, but we love you guys and we will see you on Thursday for our Kardashian bonus show. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.